So he's just plowing through, you know, up the hill through all this powder. So he lets go. Well, when he lets go, it releases, you know, that, you know, resistance that I had on on the back. So, but I'm going uphill. But yeah, he he just shot me like a slingshot um, because now I, you know, it was half the weight on the kite. Uh, and I just launched going up the hill with the kite pulling me up the hill when he released that. Adventure Sports Podcast, Episode 108, Snow Kiting with Eric Bader. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Welcome to yet another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is Travis. Eric Bader has been on with us a couple times in the past. Uh, back in episode 25, he spoke about whitewater rafting. That was a great episode. You probably should go back and check it out. Episode 43, he was back on talking about kiteboarding. Now, this is kiteboarding in the water where you have a, a kite, you know, which is a sail that pulls you along in the water and uh, you're essentially on a wakeboard. So with that in mind, I wanted to have Eric back on this show to talk about snow kiting. Snow kiting is very similar to kiteboarding, except as you can imagine, you're on the snow. And since snow season is is coming upon us pretty quickly, I wanted to have Eric on to tell us all about it. So Eric, welcome back for your third time. Well, thank you, Travis. It's always good to have you. All right, let's get into snow kiting. I was watching some videos on this, researching for it, and it, it got me completely ramped up for snow season. I was telling Kurt, all about what I was seeing on there. Um, let's get started about and tell us about what it is that got you into snow kiting. How did you start from the beginning? Well, these days, as you mentioned, if you go online and um, search for snow kiting, you will come up with some fantastic videos that are really pretty about people skiing, snowboarding in the backcountry, and getting powered by the wind through what's called a power kite. What got me going um, was when uh, this rep came into our retail store, I'd say it's close to 20 years now, um, came in the store and said, hey, you guys want to carry these snow kites? And I kind of go, well, what's that? <laughs> right. um, and so he explained it to me. And I, was, I was intrigued. So, um, you know, I got a small one and went off into the snow and, and uh, played around with it. Uh, I was really hoping to get some lessons back then, but they really didn't exist. So uh, by trial and error, somehow I managed to fly it and eventually uh, be able to use it to uh, travel across the snow. So did you start the snow kiting thing, or did you start uh, on the water first? Which one came first? I started on the snow before I started kiteboarding. Okay. Uh, snow kiting's much, much easier to learn how to do than, uh, you know, on the learning curve than uh, kiteboarding is on the water, uh, mostly because you can uh, stay on top of the snow. You don't sink in. So it doesn't, t- and with snow, there's very little friction uh, once you get moving. So the kite doesn't have to pull very hard to get you moving across the snow. Yeah, that's a good point. I used to water ski a lot, and uh, if you're trying to get up on a slalom ski behind a boat, that's uh, there's a lot of force on that tow rope just to get you up out of the water onto a plane. 
to begin with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, like you said, there's a bunch of energy that needs to be expended um, that a kite has to generate on the water to get you on top. Uh, for the snow, you're already on top, and uh, you don't have to swim around. It's best to learn how to snow kite uh, starting on skis so you can walk around a little bit uh, in order to create the right tension on the kite and get it launched. And then once it's flying, uh, you dive it down a little bit, and uh, it'll start pulling you across the snow. Yeah, I was going to ask that, which was easier. Um, is there a is there a different learning curve for skis versus snowboard? I know there is when you're actually skiing or snowboarding downhill. It's snowboarding tends to be, at least in my experience, was a lot quicker to learn than skiing. Skiing take, took longer, but you have more stability. Yeah, the um, and here it's kind of the opposite. Uh, you don't have to have very good skiing skills. Um, but with skis, you know, you can spread your feet out, so you got double the edging capability than you do in a snowboard, um, and a much wider, more stable stance when you're learning how to fly the kite. Because uh, once you're when you're learning how to fly a kite, you know, if you're not expecting, you know, if you make a turn and you dive the kite into what we call the power window, where it might pull on you a little bit harder, and you're not expecting it, uh, which when you're learning a lot of times you're not. Um, you know, you're more likely to get pulled over and lose your balance and fall down in the snow on a snowboard than with uh, with skis where you can have a wider, more stable stance. <laughs> That's exactly what I pictured being on a snowboard and, and riding uh, fakie, you know, and then, uh, you know, the thing goes behind you and, and yanks you in that direction. There's not a lot you're going to do about that if you're uh, if you're not completely competent on a snowboard. You're pretty much going to land on your back and get tugged along. Um, yeah, you can land on your back. You can, you know, because you're expecting a pull and you leaned into it, you can, you know, or you're more likely to sit down um, or you lose your balance because it pulls a little harder than you expect and you'll end up falling down. But what's great about doing all this stuff in the snow is if you get enough snow where it's got some good coverage, it's not a big deal. You know, you got that nice soft snow to break any kind of a fall. Um, but uh, if you want to learn how to snow kite, it's best to be up on your feet, whether it's a snowboard or up on skis. Right. Makes sense. So let's get into the equipment a little bit. Um, you were on the show talking about uh, about um, you doing the water and the equipment there. Is the equipment very similar or are there some, there are some differences that someone would want to know about with snow kiting? Ah, great question. Uh, let me see if I'm – let's backtrack up one step, Travis. So the snow kite, just to make sure our listeners understand, uh, it's, a snow kite is a, um, a kite that you're flying. It's kind of like a stunt kite, you know, except for they're supersized. It's a little bit bigger, and you generally have four or five lines coming back to the person who's flying the kite, and those lines are um, 25 meters or 75 feet long. Then you have a bar. And most people think, oh, yeah, well, it's going to pull you around. You've got to hold on to that bar with your arms, and it can be tiring. Well, actually, the, the uh, lines go through the bar and attach to a harness. And you can use the same harness as you do on the water. Um, they make water harnesses and, uh, you know, that kind of go around your waist or a seat harness. Um, there's different configurations. For snow kiting, I actually prefer just an inexpensive, you know, climbing harness. Um, for my attachment point just because it works great and uh, you can pick those up anywhere. Uh, so anyhow, the kite attaches to a harness at your waist of some variety. So now when you're getting pulled by the kite, you know, to go across the snow, uh, what your arms are doing is steering the kite. Um, you're not having to hold on to that energy that pulls you across the snow. Um, 
so like water, the harnesses are kind of are very similar. The bars and lines are pretty much the same. The kite can be the same, or there's some you know there's a second option. So on the water, you use a big kite that has an inflatable edge because when it lands in the water, it needs to float. In the snow, you don't need to have the inflatable edge. So your kites on the water can work on the snow, but I actually prefer what's called a ram air uh, snow kite, which is basically uh, looks a lot like the square parachutes that people come down underneath um, that are directional where they can steer them. You know, there's, you know, it's kind of rectangular and then has a leading edge uh, that allows air into it. And it's a three-dimensional kite. It's not a, you know, not just a single layer kite. Um, so air goes into that leading edge and pressurizes the kite um, so that it gets rigid. Uh, and then you fly it just like any other stunt kite uh, that's a four-line kite. The reason why I kind of like go with the ram airs over the inflatables is now I don't have to pump it up, um, which is no big deal in this, on a nice warm day on the beach. Um, but when you're out in the winter conditions in the snow, it's nice not to have a pump. It's nice not to have a valve or an inflatable edge if that edge happens to land on thinner ground where there might be a rock or a cactus. Um, so there's some advantages to not using the same equipment that you do on the for kiteboarding, um, but there's a couple disadvantages as well. The ram airs you have to keep uh, tension on your line so that the and the kite flying, as soon as it lands on the ground, it'll deflate a bit. You know, it lets the air out of um, the interior, which is actually good. You can relaunch it. Um, but again, during the learning curve, sometimes people will uh, lose tension on the lines and the uh, Ram airs will, you know, kind of ball up and fall on the ground, and then you got to reinflate them. Um, but the wind reinflates them. You don't need a pump. Okay, that makes sense. That was a little long, but hopefully it made sense. <laughs> no, that's fine. Actually, you're talking about the inflatable ones. It makes me think I would want to try to fill mine with helium just to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, your water ones, you might be able to get away with that. But uh, the air is always moving through the uh, the ram airs. Um, a little bit, you know, the, as long as the kite's moving, it's keeping air trying to push into it. But since it's a, uh, a baffled kite, you know, and the air really doesn't have a place to escape to, as long as there's air trying to push in, it keeps it pressurized. There's really not much air going into it at all. Right, um, right. And not much snow going into it too, which is good. But, uh, what's nice is also they just fit into a much smaller backpack. Um, they're much faster to deploy. Um, you lay them all out. And if you happen to be doing this, you know, out on the plains on a snowy day where there might be cactus around, trust me, you don't want to use your inflatable because trying to find cactus holes in those inflatable kites for kiteboarding is a nightmare. And usually it costs you over a hundred dollars to repair. Yeah, that's no good. So obviously where you're planning to use it and how you're planning to use it factors in heavily, uh, as to what equipment you actually end up with. Yeah. If you're planning on kiteboarding and snow kiting, you know, it's kind of tough, you know, cause you have to have different kites for, you know, for the snow or the water, or you can use your water kites. If you're using, if you're kiteboarding, I mean, snow kiting on a lake, just like you're kiteboarding, but now the lake is frozen with snow on it. You can definitely use your inflatables, you know, at your drive up locations where you drive up to your frozen lake, just like you do in the, in the summertime, inflate your inflatable kite um, hook up the lines and then have a great session and a blast. Um, 
But uh, if you decide that you want to go backcountry, um, let me tell you, it's not nicer to have a smaller pack because the Ram Air kites without the inflatable leading edge pack smaller. You don't have to have a, a big old pump in your pack. Uh, you can travel much lighter and much more compact. There are kiters, you know, um, snow kiters that are using uh, snow kites for approaches to mountaineering. Um, you know, there's different things you can do with the snow kite. You can do topography and go up and down hills, but um, you do have to get above tree line here in Colorado uh, or be out on the plains on a big old, you know, snowstorm. And then you can uh, ride around. Uh, but that's where, like I said, the Ram Airs are my preference for the kites for that particular purpose. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, the packability brings me to another one of the questions I had for you. Is it feasible to pack one of these things up? So essentially, I, I go uphill with my snow kite. I get to the top, and I want to ski or snowboard down without the snow kite. Can I? Is it small enough you can feasibly pack it away in a backpack and still be able to ski or snowboard? Absolutely. Um, they only weigh about six, eight pounds, so um, they're really lighter. They're lighter than the kite, you know, the water kites, um, and they definitely pack down, in, you know, so that you can fit it into a pack, no problem. Um, when I first got into snow kiting, that's kind of what I was thinking I'd, do, I'd be doing, and, um, and I did do some of that where I used the snow kite to power me up the hill. But uh, once I got proficient at snow kiting, then I also found that I could just park the kite out to the side of, you know, out to my side, which we call the corner of the wind window. Um, and I could still ski down, making turns with the kite just sitting out there, following me along. I'd get to the bottom of the hill and um, dive the kite back around behind me, you know, back up the hill. And it would tow me back up, in which case then I wouldn't have to pull it in and out and, you know, reset it up each time. So, but you could do it either way. Um, not a problem. So, yes, it can propel you up the hill so that you can continue hiking up if you wanted to bag a peak, um, or you can stop at, you know, the where it's all windswept and maybe all the snow's gone and pack it up and then ski down the hill. You have options. Okay. Yeah, that's funny you say that because that was my first thought. I was like, man, this is this is the perfect way to go out in the backcountry and get up to the top of that hill and then still be able to ski down or, or ride down just like normal. But to your point, what's the point of going and finding a hill to come down? Because that snow kite's going to pull you wherever you want to go. You make your own terrain at that point. You don't have to be looking for a downhill. Well, exactly. The real, the real fun about the downhill, um, yes, you can park it and just kind of do those nice big floaty turns on the powder day, which is a blast. You know, And you might go up a lower angle piece where the kite can get you up quicker and then come down the steeper topography. Again, you have options if you have topography, but what's also fun is if you turn around and go downhill, you build up a little speed, and now you do a little tiny jump, and your jump can get pretty big if the, <laughs> if the hill slopes away as you go straight. Yeah, right. You go straight out away from the hill, and the hill goes down. Now you've got a pretty big jump, um, so uh, which also can be fun. Uh, and then there are folks and I'm guilty of this, when I go down the hill, not only do I just jump, but I actually do little glides where I can go, you know, 100 feet or 200 feet or 300 feet down the hill or even across the slope, land, um, and then uh, go back up and do again. That's awesome. You're painting a really, really cool picture. Oh, it's really fun. <laughs> I, I think you've sold me. <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. You know, and also with those jumps, you can do tricks, you can do jumps, you can do spins, 
Uh, you can do flips forward and back. Um, and as long as you, again, learn and maintain control of that kite, you can come down and touch down real soft. Um, and if you're learning all this on really deep snow where the snow is 10 feet deep and you don't come down soft, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's like coming down on water anyway. Uh, actually, softer, softer than water. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome. Well, that was one of my thoughts is, so you do, you know, talking about the gliding or just go ahead and uh, flying the kite to the point where you can lift off a little bit from the videos I was watching, it doesn't seem, okay, I'm, I'm sure it can happen, but it doesn't seem too possible that you're going to slam down at any point unless you just completely lose control of the kite. It seems to always set you down softly. Oh, I wish. That's because the folks <laughs> in the video are really good. <laughs> of um, course. And it doesn't take much, you know, it does take some skill to, you know, set down soft, but you can do things where, you know, you can be, you know, up 50 feet, you know, off the ground if you wanted. Um, dive the kite where it'll actually pull you back to the ground and accelerate you toward the ground. Um, so there are some tricks to it and there are, there are some dangers to be, big, you know, going big um, with a snow kite. It's not really designed as a speed wing or a paraglider. Um, to be fly, you know, to be flying, but people do fly them. There's just, there is a bunch of risk when you do that. So yes, the kite can, you know, dive and pull you toward the hill or toward something. It can actually also collapse, uh, highly unlikely, but it's possible, uh, in which case then it won't support you anymore. Um, and then however high you are, that's, you know, you're going to start dropping. Um, so there are things that can occur, you know, if you um, are using the kite uh, to get big air. Can you get too much of a gust? There are conditions uh, where it gets too strong, where I definitely have packed up that kite. Um, this has happened, especially when I'm backcountry and I'm kiting at twelve and 13,000 feet here in the Rockies. Um, there are definitely times where the conditions will change and I'll have to put the kite away. But what's wonderful about these kites these days, it is passive, which means you have to do something. But all you have to do is hit a little red button at your waist and that whole kite will just fall out of the sky and, and, and collapse. You hit another little red button if you want and you can release the whole thing. And, the, and again, without resistance, there's nothing to support it. It'll blow downwind a little ways, but it'll also collapse and drop to the ground. Um, so there's a bunch of... Um, passive items that will uh, completely collapse and um, make this, you know, make that kite not fly and then you can pack it up. Oh, that's cool. So I imagine that first button is the one that actually connects the control lines. Once you release that, it lets all the, it, it basically lets the tension off of all those lines and essentially lets the wind out of the, the kite. So, yeah, exactly. You, you have been watching those videos, Travis. Well, I, I engineer it at heart, so it just it makes sense. So uh, there's um, several ways to put down your kite, you know, when you're flying along. The, there's a piece of webbing that usually goes across the steering lines. The steering lines go to the very back corners of the kite because that's what makes them turn usually. And um, if you grab the, that piece of webbing that goes between those two steering lines, pull it in, so you pull in on the steering lines, those steering lines get to a point where the kite, you know, since you're pulling on both of them, actually flies backwards. And it'll fly backwards and sit right down on the ground. Okay. Um, okay. And, and it's ready to relaunch. You hold on to those. You eat some snow. You, you know, clean your goggles, get a drink, whatever. Um, and then as soon as you release that, it'll start, fly, you know, catch the wind and fly again. 
The next option is you you know mention, as we mentioned is you can pop a button that releases all four lines and there's a, usually a fifth line on most of the kites these days that um, will still be attached to you and that fifth line goes all the way up to the kite and attaches right in the center um, vertically and then so mm-hmm. the two wing tips then blow downwind and blow together so the whole thing looks like a giant taco and is no longer you know flying or uh, providing any resistance. Um, and then the third option is to pop another button, which then just releases uh, the loop to your harness, and uh, then the kite will blow downwind. And that's the button you hit when you're stuck in the tree, right? <laughs> I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> but yeah, it's probably a good idea if you're stuck in a tree. <laughs> For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, Bent Gate is here to help. Bent Gate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bent Gate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bent Gate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. Never run out of camp stove fuel again. The 180 stove is a natural fuel stove that eliminates the need to carry heavy, bulky fuel canisters. With a generous 6-inch by 7-inch cooking surface, it folds away into a clean, compact, self-forming case that is small enough to fit inside your pocket. At only 10.4 ounces, the additional weight and space savings allows for other important items in your pack. Get more information at 180tac.com and look for it in retailers near you as well as online. Well, that's cool. That answers one of my questions because I'm, I'm imagining the the extreme side of it. So I'm thinking, okay, you're you're going up to a cornice and you want to launch off this cornice, you know, but there's really nothing but a void on the other side. And you're thinking, well, you know, what happens when the wind wants to take you down into that void that you'll never get back out of? So hitting that button to take all the wind out of your sails is is probably something that you should be ready and willing to do very quickly. Um, absolutely, and it's definitely part of the things you'll learn when you're snow kiting. Uh, that's why lessons are very important, um, is to learn all the safety features of the snow kite so that you don't get hurt in this sport, because it is possible. Um, but with good training um, and being smart, it is a very safe sport to be to do when done properly. Right. So one of the coolest things I I I saw in the video and I realized that you could do with it. Like you said, um, you don't need a down, down slope to have fun. And this guy was essentially circling the kite around 
And every time he did, he just found himself a kicker to go off each time. You know, so when we're riding or skiing down a slope, you get a chance to do that kicker once, you know, and hopefully you have some more kickers down the hill. But then you got to get in a lift and go all the way back up before you can hit that kicker again. Well, this guy just kept circling the kite around because he liked hitting this one kicker, this little jump. And I was thinking, man, how cool is that? You could just sit there and play on these little little bitty cornices down there all day long. As long as you have wind, and you never have to deal with lift lines and the weight to get back up and all of that stuff. It looks awesome. Well, that's the that's the beauty of the sport is um, the snow cutting. You need an open area so that you have wind. You know that with good clean wind that'll come through to keep the uh, kite flying. And then you need a couple inches of snow. You have a golf course. You have a um, a tilled field. You know with a few inches of snow. Boom! You can go snow kiting. Now, you can jump these kites, you know, when you learn how to use them properly, and, and li- they'll lift you off the ground without a kicker. But with a kicker, it's even easier. So you can build kickers, any drift, as you mentioned, any little um, thing that's, you know, that, that will rise up that you can hit with some speed is now a kicker, um, whether it's a, uh, you know, man-made kicker, a drift, uh, it can be anything. I've, I've seen videotapes of folks, you know, the, the plowed edges of roads. I've been guilty of using those as kickers. <laughs> um, you know, there's all kinds, you know, anything, any bump can be a kicker. But as I said, you don't even need a kicker if you want to jump. And that's the beauty. You can be on a completely flat surface, um, spin the kite or bring it overhead, um, and then, you know, slide or, you know, turn toward the kite a little bit and then turn away to load it. And it'll try to uh, resist, and it'll pop you right off the ground. Uh, that's cool. I imagine it's uh, it's a little more difficult to get out of whack too. You go off a jump in on skis or snowboard; it's pretty easy to start getting sideways and and not really come down on the intended surface. <laughs> so I imagine this thing kind of helps hold you a little bit vertical, at least uh, you know uh, aligned in the air to some extent. It certainly can. But on the same note, if you do that same kicker, you can do a flip. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and just like any, you know, ski jump, snowboard jump, you know, you need to finish that jump before you come down. But if you keep the kite overhead, you know, you'll generally come down softer. Yeah, that's cool. Have you uh, have you ever heard of cable parks? Do you know what a cable park is? Cable park. Yeah, I didn't know the term until just recently. It's um, so we had a uh, Noel Carter on episode seventy three talking about cable parks. And it's essentially, um, think of it as a water ski lake set up with a, uh, a cable system above you. Uh, so the cable system goes around the entire park and it, it circles a bunch of kickers in the water. And then you hang on to a cable that's, that's attached to that cable system and it has a regular tow rope on it like you would be behind a boat. Okay. So it takes you around this park and you launch off these kickers and you essentially get towed all around the park. So it's essentially a water skiing without the boat. And when I was researching, looking into uh, to what we're talking about here is snow kiting, it reminded me a lot like th- a lot of that because you're hanging on to this, this thing that can tow you essentially wherever you want to go as long as you know how to fly the kite. And it's just what a cool system it is. I mean, it just reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can, you know, go around and around, as they say, or back and forth. You can go upwind, you can go downwind. Um, so anytime you have a big open area with snow and wind, you now have your personal free ski area with your snow kite uh, to go skiing or snowboarding. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. So you've been on two times already, and some people know who you are and, and what it is you do. I want to take a little bit of time to give you a chance to tell people about the Boulder Outdoor Center, what it is you guys do. Well, basically, um, yes, I do. do. I run the Boulder Outdoor Center. And what we do here is we connect people up with outdoor adventures through, you know, where we teach them lessons or we take them on trips. Uh, everything in the wintertime from snowmobiling to this snow kiting. Um, we have indoor kayak lessons, avalanche classes, and then in the summertime, trail rides, ATV rides, um, you know, rafting, kayaking, canoeing. So all kinds of great uh, adventures that are great for family fun and high adventure. So we've got it all for you. And snow cutting is one of the things that we offer. We offer lessons um, and then sales. And we'll take great care of you and set you up with the best deal possible on both those things uh, if you're interested in getting into the sport of snow kiting. Very well. And I have to say, you're, uh, the reason you're on for a third time today is, guys, Eric is like the go-to guy when it comes to adventure sports. And some of you, hopefully all of you, have heard of him before uh, because of this podcast. But when I wanted to talk to somebody about snow kiting, you know, it was just like, oh, hey, go to Eric. He, he knows, you know, snow kiting. And go to Eric. He knows whitewater rafting. Go to Eric. He knows about kiteboarding. So I appreciate you being around for us to talk to because, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to find people out there that are doing it, that are willing to talk. And uh, you've, uh, you've been an asset to explain some of these things that we just don't know about. Well, it's been my pleasure, Travis. Like I said, it's, my goal is to get people outdoors doing healthy, good athletic things. And what's really cool about snow kiting is it's, you know, um, it's environmentally uh, friendly. You know, we're using wind, we're crossing snow, so we don't even leave a footprint. Uh, there's no fumes from any combustion engines, and it's quiet, uh, other than possibly a little wind blowing, and it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So we, before we move on, where can people uh, come find you, get more information on you, and set up some adventures themselves? All of our information's on our website at boulderoutdoorcenter.com, uh, or they can give us give me a call at 303-444-8420. I'm more than happy to help them out. As you can tell, I love to talk about snow kiting, uh, and uh, of course, all the outdoor adventures that we do. Yeah, you guys do a ton of them, and I, I even have to say, last weekend I uh, I got uh, I got set up with. Um, some horseback riding. I want to take my horseback, my daughter horseback riding, but there are very few people in the area still doing it. So I gave Eric a call and he was the guy to know. He just pointed me straight to the, the right place to go and we had a blast. So well, I'm glad that uh, you guys got out. That's super. Oh, it was awesome. I loved it. That was a, I haven't been on a horse since I was just a little, little tyke going around the ring a couple of times. And that was my experience with horses, but I was uh, truly amazed at, at uh, how, how responsive horses are. So it turned me on to a, even a new adventure activity myself or an old adventure for you <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> uh but yeah that's the whole point is people get so ingrained in working every day and you know and they forget that there's a whole world out there that's not very far away that's not very expensive um that's very pretty you know snow kiting you you can explore you know you're i'm out getting the goods man when it comes to the powder um, oh yeah. You know, there are days where, you know, and I can I can definitely catch more powder than any powder dog at any ski area. Um 
and then uh, and it's just beautiful. And then you can go exploring, you know, with these kites because you can cover huge amounts of territory when you're crossing the snow at 20, 30, 40 miles an hour. Um, and I don't wait in lift lines. Um, and when it comes to going back up the hill, uh, I'm still skiing or snowboarding. Yeah, that's awesome. Imagine you can get worn out pretty quickly. That's what the that's a draw for me. I mean, I've been in Colorado for quite a few years, and to be honest, I've kind of given up on snowboarding and skiing because I have to wait in traffic to get there, and I have to wait in traffic on the way home, and it's so cost prohibitive. Um, I've just kind of I've burned out on it. But now that I've been looking into the snowcatting stuff and talking to you, I think, man, that it kind of rejuvenates that interest in me because I'm thinking, you know, for a, for a setup and I want to get into cost in a minute here, but for a setup, I mean, you might be talking maybe a season pass, um, but you can get out to some of these areas where you don't have to deal with all that stuff. You have fresh powder, you don't have traffic, you don't have lift lines, you didn't pay, you know, crazy prices to eat lunch up there. Oh, you're correct. You're correct about that. Unlike the ski area, I'm afraid we don't have too many restaurants um, at the top of the hill where you can pop <laughs> in and um, and they'll put I can it all in the lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll have to bag your lunch. Um, but going back to you know the equipment, you know, as far as if you wanted to cover the cost or what it might take to get in the sport, as I mentioned, you know, you want to take a lesson. Um, to get started, but you know, a half day lesson is you know usually just enough. You know, is enough to get you going. Um, and we have those at two ninety five. Um, and then the gear, you know, you, a climbing harness, you can pick those up from fifty to a hundred bucks, um, just about anywhere along the front range, just because there's so many climbers and a lot of folks already have them. Right. Uh, the snowboard or ski gear, you probably already, you know. You already have, you know, as long as you can ski with a decent snowplow, you're good to go. Um, so then what you need from there is the kite. And to start, you know, a six or six meter or eight meter, and that's generally the size of the kite. That's how they kind of measure them. will definitely get you going uh, across the flats and up some hills, depending on your body weight and conditions. Um, but it'll get you out there and is a great learning kite. Those, you know, they list from 600 to 1,000, you know, and I usually can save people 10 to 20% on those, um, depending on which model. And uh, when it comes to the smaller ones, you can get away with a little less of an investment as far as the, um, you know, the design goes. Uh, but then when you want to start doing the sport more heavily, be aware that you mo- you'll most likely want a second snow kite that's bigger. Right. So it kind of makes sense with your, uh, like skis used to be, at least you start on a uh, little short skis and once you get better and better, you can handle the longer skis and I actually wanted them. I don't know that so much matters these days with the, the new shape skis, but, <laughs> but very similar. Yep. The Boulder Outdoor Center wants to help you get outdoors and have some fun. With their adventures, lessons, guided trips, and gear, they make it super simple for you and your family to experience dozens of adventure sports. Located in Boulder, Colorado, the Boulder Outdoor Center offers adventures from ATV tours to hot air balloon or glider rides over the Rockies. Try your hand at stand-up paddleboarding, whitewater rafting, horseback riding, and much, much more. Visit the Boulder Outdoor Center on the web at www.boc123.com or give them a call at 303-444-8420. Winter is just around the corner. Do you have the outdoor performance wear that you need? 
Shed the layers and keep the warmth with Sport Hill Performance running, skiing, and outdoor apparel. Sport Hill gear is worn by Olympic champions and elite athletes. Independently owned since 1985, Sport Hill is passionate about clothing for the sports you love. Well, that's cool, and that's really not bad. Like I said, I, I equated it to a season's pass. You know, if you uh, if you give up your season's pass one season and uh, and put it into this equipment, then you can go anywhere you want. I mean, even in Eastern Colorado, if you have a nice arrangement with one of these farmers that that raises the uh, the sod out there in these massive fields, maybe you can even get out there and do it. You know, you're not hurting anything. And we have a spot that we can do it, but anywhere that you give you permission, you know, um, you can do it where you have enough snow. Um, we actually have on our website at the boulderoutdoorcenter.com um, uh, resources uh, tab for snow kiting with information on places to go. Uh, and we actually have a Google map we created with some locations where we actually have permission to go sniding, snow kiting, which definitely includes um, a 250 to 400-acre ranch out east of Aurora just a little bit. When we get snow there, the thing that's just awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a blast. So I wanted to get into competitions a little bit. What do you know about competitions? One of the things I saw was essentially an endurance race of it must have been 60 to 75 snow kiters just cruising across, you know, these massive uh, tundras, essentially, uh, essentially having an endurance race. Well, yeah, you can, um, there's different races for snow kiting. You know, you can imagine there's, there's races just like for sailboats where they put, you know, um, you know, markers out. We usually use um, traffic cones, but you know, it's the same as a buoy for sail racing sailboats and they put out a course um, and you go around the lake, uh, and of course, whoever does it the quickest wins. Uh, as you mentioned, there's just an endurance from point A to point B. Um, or you can actually use a GPS with tracks, uh, and whoever can go the farthest in a certain period of time, they turn in their tracks and they sh it shows you how fast and how far you got, you know, you went. So there's different options there. Uh, as I mentioned, people go exploring, um, you know, skiers actually crossed um, the continent of Greenland using snow kites. Um, and I think they got a little cold, a little tired of the whole thing. And the last day they <laughs> went like 17 hours kiting. And I forget, but I think they covered like 275 miles Holy cow. during that time period and finished the whole thing a little bit early. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would definitely want to be on skis if I was doing that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the board doesn't sound fun. You know, but they were all, they were self-support. They had, you know, they were skiing along behind the kite um, with a backpack on and a uh, toboggan um, behind them with all their gear, all their self-support gear. So you can do this sport in, in different fashions and, um, and still, you know, still have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that is cool. So that begs the question, how little wind can you deal with? Because imagine these guys can get out there and all of a sudden deal with three days of no wind. You're not going anywhere. Well, you want um, – the kites, you know, will fly at about seven miles per hour of wind. Um, now, whether it propels you will depend on the, the conditions, you know, of how much power – how big the kite is, 
you know, and how steep of a slope if you have any. Um, and snow conditions like deep powder will take more power or, you know, or stronger wind to move you through it. Uh, How many hamburgers you've been eating lately? There's that. Yes. Yeah. You know, if you're a hundred pound <laughs> person versus a 200 pound person, um, the 200 pound person is going to need a little bigger kite. Um, but, uh, I can help folks with all that. But again, seven miles an hour is all you need. You know, if you're, fly, you're kiting, snow kiting in a 20-mile-an-hour wind, you know, you can get away with a smaller kite. Um, so that's where a couple kites come, you know, of different sizes come in real handy. Uh, one for either the higher winds or beginning, you know, and that, you know, the one you start with will, will stay in your quiver. And then as you get better or lighter winds, you know, you can use a bigger kite with more power. Okay. And imagine the larger the kite is, it's it's a little harder to control. So if you wanted to do a lot of quicker maneuvers, you'd still want a smaller kite like most things in the world? Actually, you know, it's kind of funny. The smaller kites are quicker, so then a lot of times they're the ones that are a little harder to control because they're so fast. Really? Oh, okay. Um, the bigger ones can be easier, but the bigger ones uh, will cost more and will create more power and might lift you off the ground a little bit sooner. And we talked about some of that gliding and getting big air which is a lot of fun, but when you're learning, you don't want to do that. So the smaller kite is the better choice for not lifting you off the ground until you build those skills. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I'm going to have you, I'm going to put you on the spot and have you tell me a good story and it can be funny. It can be exciting. It can be tragic. I don't care. Just tell me a good story. But before that, I need to know which is it for you? Is it two planks or one when you're out there snow cutting? I've gone both ways. Um, I'm a better skier than snowboarder. Um, I spent, you know, I learned the sport on skis, um, and then I tried snowboarding because when you're doing uh, jumps with lots of spinning action, you can land the snowboard in more directions, i.e. sideways, you know, and pull off the, the landing than you can with skis. When you do, you know, a spin, you kind of need to make sure you spin that 180 or face the direction that you're traveling. Um, but uh, I went back to skis. I find it's just easier uh, to snow kite with skis because I, I can create a wider stance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So now that I've given you time to think about a story. <laughs> well, I think I have a really good one. It's back when I was first learning how to do this. And, um, you know, I'd gotten all the kiting basics down. Uh, now, granted, we're going back probably 15 years, but I was up on Vail Pass. And I uh, went up there on a nice, you know, light wind day, and I brought a friend along that was just learning. So I gave him my real little kite, and then I had a what's called a 10-meter kite, which isn't, you know, which is good size. So hey, we were playing with those up on the pass for a while, and they're kind of pulling us around. It's light, but it's too light. So we pack them up. We hike up the, you know, hill a little bit further and ski down because it's a great powder day. You know, it's like about a foot to eight inch, 18, I think it's over a foot of powder, maybe 18 inches of powder. So we go to the, you know, we ski down and we're down in this valley and the wind starts to pick up a little bit. And I was like, well, I'm going to pull the kite out and I'm going to kite up. And he goes, well, I'm not feeling up for that. I'm not sure I have that skill set. So I said, well, it might be strong enough. I'll try to tow you. Like, well, all right. So I set up my, you know, 10 meter kite and um, we had a piece of webbing that I put on the back of my harness and then he was on a snowboard. Um, and that piece of webbing is what we'd use because we'd hitchhiked in, getting towed behind a snowmobile to get above tree line. And uh, so anyhow, we're just like being towed behind a snowmobile, uh, I was going to try to tow him with the kite. So I get the kite flying, and, um, you know, when I dive the kite, I can generate enough power, and we start to go up the hill. And 
as we get a little higher, the wind gets a little bit stronger because um, it's less protected. And we start to go up the hill a little quicker and a little quicker. And uh, and it wasn't just because we were getting higher in elevation, but the this you know wind was definitely getting stronger. Well, we're starting to move pretty fast. Uh, and according to this person, who a really good snowboarder was behind me, he says, we were going up the hill faster than we were behind the snowmobile. Uh, no kidding. So we're, it gives you an idea. We're, I'm generating some pretty good power, and this is working great. Wow. Well, then he fell down. <laughs> you know, and now he's, you know, in, in 18 inches of powder, and I can't, I'm not, I'm watching the kite, so I'm looking up the hill. I'm not seeing what's going on behind me. But anyway, he said I was now dragging him up the hill. Um, and he's holding on to this piece of webbing, getting dragged up the hill, and he realizes, well, this really isn't working for me. <laughs> um, and I and he can't get up. <laughs> right. Um, so he's just plowing through, you know, up the hill through all this powder. So he lets go. Well, when he lets go, it releases, you know, that, you know, resistance that I had. Oh on, yeah, you must have launched. Back. So, it, but I'm going uphill. But yeah, he he just shot me like a slingshot. Um, because now I, you know, it was half the weight on the kite. Uh, and I just launched going up the hill with the kite pulling me up the hill and he released that. Um, and, uh, I think even before I hit the ground, I'd popped the, uh, the safety on the kite because I had no control <laughs> over this thing so that it, um, just, uh, fell out of the sky. Um, and then of course I landed like a, um, rag doll in this powder, which was kind of funny. Um, so then I kind of cleaned myself up and, you know, packed up the kite because the wind was blowing too hard. And of course, by then my buddy, you know, and he had a split board. So we just put our skins on and just tore it back up the hill. But uh, when we got up to the top of the hill, which wasn't much further, it was blowing 40, 45. Um, so we were really glad it was packed up. But it was really funny when he just shot me like a slingshot. <laughs> That's awesome. It paints a good picture. Uh, it almost, uh, you know, if it wasn't so crazy and have such high winds, it'd almost be fun to do just just to kind of screw around and, and, and play the slingshot game on one of those things. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that, uh, take my advice, it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fair uh, enough. <laughs> and if you're in those strong winds, you know, you got to be really good and you want to be on a real small kite, like a, what's called a four-meter, which is almost a, uh, the same as the stunt kites that people play with, um, something really tiny because, yeah, you just don't need those high winds, um, you know, when you're snow kiting, you can do two times to two and a half times the speed of the wind um, up to, you know, you kind of your terminal velocity somewhere around 60 miles an hour. Wow. Um, and I don't mean terminal like and you'll die, but you'll kind of, uh, that's right. about as fast as you can go on a snow kite. People race them for speed, too, and that's about the top end of how fast the kite will move. Um, so you don't need winds that are 40 miles an hour. They'll just... Um, usually they're gusty here in Colorado and they'll get you in trouble real quick, even if you're on a small kite. Wow. That's crazy. That sounds cool. Well, my, uh, my problem is, uh, is all these adventure sports are becoming like squirrels for me. You know, somebody will talk about sailing. I want to go do that. And somebody will talk about, you know, some other activity. I want to go do that. But, and I say just about after every podcast that sign me up, I want to do that. But in reality, I really do want to do this. Uh, expect a phone call from me this winter. I want to set up one of those half-day uh, lessons from you because I want to try this. I've been really, really intrigued as I've been researching this. It looks totally awesome, and it might uh, very well resurrect my my desire to get out there on skis or a snowboard. 
Excellent. Well, I think it will. Um, so what you want to do, Travis, our lessons start up toward the end of December because we're doing them up on uh, Dillon Reservoir up in yep. Summit County. Yeah, it's um, funny. I pictured that as uh, being a place to do it. That's good. Yeah, it's a great learning location. Um, can have some good wind. You know, we, we'll coordinate with you to pick a nice day, uh, and then we'll get you out there and teach you the basics. And then after that, um, it'll be up to you to uh, – you know, I'll set you up with a fantastic deal with a snow kite, and you know, then we'll be out kiting, out snow kiting. Oh, that would be awesome. Maybe I could rope Kurt into this one, and we'll do a an on-location episode about it all. It sounds like an awesome time. <laughs> it is, and it will be. <laughs> right on. Eric, once again, for the third time, I really do appreciate you taking time and, and uh, giving me uh, some insight into snow kiting. Um, yeah, as I said, I want to, I definitely want to give this one a shot. Excellent. Well, I'll be looking forward to hearing from you, Travis. All right. Good deal. You take care. You too. All right. Would you like to be a guest on an upcoming show? Just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click contact us. Also take a minute and help us spread the word about the adventure sports podcast. Do us a favor and go on to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. Everything helps. Thanks for being a listener.